Father, this morning we come to you. And we surrender our minds, our hearts, our entire being into thy hands, O Lord. And I pray, Father, that you speak to us. You are the living God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Speak to us this morning, Father. As a church, encourage us. As a church, exhort us. As a church, speak to us. And as individuals, meet us where we are struggling. Meet us where we are confused. Awaken us where we have become lethargic. Speak, Father. Spirit of God, I release the word that I am about to speak into thy hands. Everything that is of me, of my flesh, let it fall to the ground. Everything that is of heaven, Father, I pray you will take it and impress in every heart, every soul, that it will burn in their hearts, O Father, like fire shut in the bones. Because your word will never go void. It will always achieve the purpose for which it is sent. Speak, Father, this morning to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. This morning we will just look primarily at a text from the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. Seven verses. And I pray these seven verses changes somebody's life. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And the same day when even was come, that means evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. This morning the title of today's message is. What manner of man is this? The journey with Jesus. is a journey of discovery. Every day of your life. In my personal life I met him. Around 35 years ago. And it's a full time. Servant of God on July 1st, I'll complete 25 years. It's been an incredible journey. Scary, troubling, but exciting because it's a walk of faith. And this is a journey of faith. Through this journey, there have been so many times I've asked this question. What manner of man is this? This is a journey of faith. If you go to the first verse for today, that's verse 35. You will see the same day when even was come. He said unto them, let us pass 
overrun to the other side. Please understand, faith does not begin with us. It begins with God. It does not begin with us. It begins with Him. He has to speak. It's not that He doesn't speak. He speaks. But we have to learn to listen. It begins always with Him. It was He who told them that day, let us go. It began with Him. The journey of faith, the journey of salvation doesn't begin with man. It begins with God. That's why in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, Scripture says, He is the author. He's the beginner. He begins that journey in all of our lives. Everyone who has met Jesus at some point in your life and started this journey, you will realize it began with Him. It didn't begin with us. Left to us. No one would know God unless God came and met us. I remember it was on a midnight in the year 1984 that the Lord met me through another friend. And I went on my knees and said, Lord Jesus, come into my life having no clue what manner of man he was and he is. So faith does does not begin with us. He begins and one day he will finish. In the twinkling of an eye, it will be over when faith will become sight. And our eyes will behold the glory of the Lamb of God. But now, we walk by faith. So if faith does not begin with us and begins with God, how does it begin with us? Romans ten seventeen tells it most beautifully. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. If you and I have to hear, somebody has to speak. Scripture does not say faith comes from reading. Scripture says faith comes from hearing. See, when I was, I started reading, I don't know at what age, but all I did most of my life was read before I came to Christ. Only thing, the tangent of my reading changed. But let me tell you, all of us who, who read, and we, when we read fiction, like I remember I read my first Alistair MacLean, Guns of Navarone, when I was in class five. And after that, I read all his books. But when I read his books, I never heard Alistair MacLean speak to me. I enjoyed his fiction. I never thought about him other than every time my father took me to a bookstore, I looked for his name. Other than that, I never thought about him at all. I only knew he was a good writer. Clean, thrilling fiction. A lot of people read the Bible and forget the person behind. Faith does not come from reading. Faith comes from hearing. There is a book and there is a person behind that book. We serve a living God. And this is the living word of the living God. And this book speaks because there is a person behind that book. And this was Jesus' issue, both with the Pharisees and the disciples. And often he told them, you search the scriptures, 
but the scriptures speak of me. He said the scripture is all about me. You're not searching for the person of God. If you don't search for the person of God, you can know your whole Bible by heart and miss God. Because this is a living book. There's a person who speaks still small voice when you read that book. I I always said this uh, example. If you go to my office, in one of the cupboards, there's an old, old folder, very old folder. That folder must be around 30, 35 years old, leather folder. If you open in it, you will see an old inland letter. Nobody writes these days. It's all email. Old inland letter. And if you looked at it, you would see, you put it away. But that's the last letter my father wrote to me 10 days before he died. So it doesn't make any difference to you. But when I read that letter, it's not fiction. It's a person who still speaks. That's a person that speaks. And he's not dead. He's living. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. That's why in the book of Revelation, when John the Apostle sees the prophetic future, very soon, he saw 2,000 years ago, the vision of Jesus coming back to establish his kingdom on earth. And he sees Jesus and the multitude, the armies of the Lord, coming down to earth. And he saw him in his robe and in his horse, crowned with many crowns. And scripture says, his name was Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. That's his name. That's a person who speaks. But when you and I hear, it has to lead to faith. We have to believe what we hear. When God speaks, your and my job is to believe. We don't have to understand everything. 35 years ago, 34 years, 35 years ago, I didn't understand anything. But when that young brother, one of my classmates, another class, hostel mate said, James, would you kneel down with me and pray with me? And I believed. And I said, I can do that. I was actually thinking I could get rid of him. And he said, pray with me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you. And I understand. You came as a human being. You lived A sinless life. You paid my punishment upon the cross. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness. Every sin has to be punished. You took that punishment upon the cross. I ask you for forgiveness. And I put my trust in you. You took the penalty. And I am set free. Come Lord Jesus into my heart. You know what happened? My friend left. He never did. That was the beginning. I didn't know my word. I never read my Bible in my life. Every other book in thousands I had read except one book. The next day, I started reading my Bible. And it started speaking to me. I was just a child in the Lord. I was in undergraduation first year, but I was just a child, a baby in the Lord. So I had a good news Bible. It was good news. You have to believe. When you hear small steps of faith, what you hear, you have to believe. 
And what you believe, you have to obey. That's what scripture says in Mark 4 and verse 35. That same day when even was come, even tide was come, evening was come. That's our journey. One of the things I later discovered is this. The day you are born is the day you start dying. Because only those who are born can die. Your first day of your birth is also is the first day of your beginning on your journey to death. That's what the Bible says. It is appointed unto every man to die. And after that it is judgment. So when the even comes, he says unto us, come, let us pass over on to the other side. There is only one who can hold you by hand and take you over to the other side. Never try to travel this journey called life alone. Because you won't reach the other side. It's only one. It's only one and his name is Jesus. That's how the journey of faith begins. He says, let us go over to the other side. But did you see? It begins with him speaking to us and not us speaking to him. He speaks first. And he will use different vessels to speak to us. Even today, if you're hearing the gospel for the first time, I'm just a vessel. I'm not the person. I'm just a vessel who is allowing his message to go through me, but he's the one who is inviting. I cannot invite anybody and say, come to me, I will give you life. No, I cannot. But I can say, come to Jesus. He will give you life and life eternal. It begins with him. Come, he said. Let's go over to the other side. And the next verse says, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him. Immediately there is a choice. It, there is a choice. These, are, these verses are real and living for me. Immediately there is a choice. I can stay with the multitude with whom I lived and enjoyed my worldly days all these days or step away from the multitude and start going with him and those who choose to go with him. We were 30 in that floor. It's a four floor hostel. And our flow, first year undergraduates, there were 30 of us. And I think there were three or four of us. I was, till that night, I was at the other crowd. That means there were three believers and 27 who did not believe. And I did not know. When I made my choice on my knees that night, I had to separate myself from the multitude. It's a choice you'll have to make. The minute you hear his voice, you will have to make a choice. Stay with the crowd or to go with him. And I know many, many young people are struggling and you're trying to balance the act. It simply doesn't work. 11 years. Some of you have heard for years. Let's go. But still hesitating. Still Want to hang out with the crowd? Yet when you die, you want to be with the Lord. In the valley of indecision. And Joel the prophet saw that hour in the last days. And he would say in Joel 3.14, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Multitudes still haven't made up their mind. To leave and go with him. 
still haven't made their mind. And this is the prophetic vision of the last days. Millions and billions are still in the valley. They haven't made up their mind. He's been preaching through a billion servants for 2,000 years. Come, let's go on to the other side. Put your trust in me. I'm the only one who can take you on to the other side. You never have to fear death anymore. Death has been conquered. Death has been overcome by life. The disciples made a decision. They left the crowd. And they went on. No. That's not what is written. It is written. Let's go back to 36. Scripture. Yeah, 436. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him. They took him. That's the key. They took him. A lot of people try to go alone. You will not reach the end of your journey. If you and I have to see what manner of man he is, you and I have to take him along every day. Don't ever embark a day without him. Because you will either turn back or you will drown. Because there are storms ahead. You will never be able to face alone. They took him along. That's called believing. Taking Christ at his word. Yet taking him along. That's what believing is. When you believe, when you open your eyes the first thing in the morning, you say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for one more day. Come along, Jesus. One prayer we pray every day. Lord, go with me, go before me. I want you with me. Because I don't know what the day holds. I don't know what the rest of the day holds. So go before me and make those crooked paths straight. And I don't know, Lord, what comes behind me. So Father, your word says, when things come behind me, you will go to the back and you will be my rear guard. Lord, come along. Because it's a real person. It's a real person. That's believing. Take him along. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 9, scripture says, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. You know why we are not established in so many areas of our lives? Because we have not believed in him. That he can establish us in those areas. If you do not believe, you cannot be established. Faith comes from hearing from the word of God. You see, you and I can hear powerful testimonies. I could give you powerful testimonies of what God has done in my life. In these 25 years of ministry. It will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will not breed faith. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And the word of God alone. Testimonies can inspire me. But it cannot make me. Only the word of God can make me. Because the word of God alone has the power. Because it has been breathed in by the very spirit of God. We love to hear testimonies. Does not have the life of God in it. Can only tell what God has done in your life. But power lies in his word. If you believe. And I believe this is the year of overflow. The year of God's government. You have to take him along. 
then I promise you, you will keep discovering what manner of man he is. Don't take him as a crowd. Take him personally. Because it's a personal invitation. God doesn't invite the church. God invites individuals. He doesn't invite a crowd. He invites individuals. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, all the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You can put your present, your future, your eternity, you can bank in this. He said, if you come to me, I will not cast you out. It's a personal invitation. Come. You have to take him personally. I took him personally. And when I took him personally, nobody in my household took him along with me. Nobody. It took how many years for some in the rest of the household to come to him? The first was my niece, my sister and my brother-in-law is here. She came first. Then they came. Then the siblings came. Then I baptized them all. You know how many years it took? From the day I came to the Lord to the day they came to the Lord, almost 25 years it took. But I came alone. Many of you are waiting for your friends to come. Many of you are waiting for your family to come. It doesn't work. The invitation is personal. It's personal. If anyone comes to me, it's a personal call of God. We have to come to him when he will not force himself upon us. The Lord of this universe will knock on the door of every heart politely. It's the most polite person in the universe and say, let me in. Will we open that door? Will we take him along? In John chapter 5 and verse 40, Jesus says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. He did not say you cannot come to me. He did not say it's impossible for you to come to me. He says, you are not willing to come to me. That you may have life. Let me tell you, it's not sin that is stopping you from coming to Christ. Because every sinner is welcome to Christ. It is the love of sin that is stopping you. It's not sin that is stopping you. It's a love of sin that is stopping you. It's not the world that is stopping you. It's the love of the world that is stopping you. It's not money that is stopping you. It's the love of money that is stopping you. It is not success that is stopping you. It's the love for success and name and reputation is stopping you to go along with him. That's what he says. You're not willing. You're not willing to come that you may have life. It's C.S. Lewis who so beautifully said, not exact words, he said, we are like children. Children. Playing in the dirty street alley with mud piles while you are being offered a vacation by the seaside. He says, come to Christ and know what joy and life is. What we are fooled by these titbits this world is offering without realizing joy, happiness, peace, thrill, life lies with him. He says, it's not that you cannot. He says, many will not. He says, come, let's go to the other side. 
scripture says there was a large multitude. The disciples left the multitude and took him along. If you go back to verse 36, scripture says there were also with him other little ships. Boats. There were other boats also with him. But they took him. There are lots of people who could have found out what manner of man he is. But I remember 35 years ago, I took him. I'm still on the WhatsApp group with my old hostel mates. In that group, there's not a single one of them who took him. There were many ships that day in that same hostel. And the gospel was preached by the same person to every one of them. I don't know why God had mercy on me. But I took him. You and I have a choice. He will knock. But we have to open. He will speak. But we have to believe and obey. And if you ever want to know what manner of man is. You and I need to take him along. Like I said. That day. There were many on that land. That day. A multitude. There were many in other boats in the sea that day. All those who were on the land. All those who were in the other boats. And all those who were in the boat with Jesus. All of them saw and experienced the sudden violent storm. They all experienced suddenly the storm ceasing in an instant. But only... One set of people in one boat knew why the storm had ceased because they chose to take him along. They knew what manner of God he was. Please remember that. So many experienced the blessings of God and they never realized they're experiencing the blessing of God because somebody else took him along with them. Go home and has penance. Read Acts chapter 27. Go back, not now. Go back home and read Acts 27. This is Paul on the journey in the ship as a prisoner being taken to Rome. He told them not to go. They didn't listen. He said, the Lord has told me this is not a good time to go. Storms. But they didn't listen. The storm hits them. They are shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. For days and days and days together. Adrift for 14 days. And they haven't eaten at all. They have lost all hope. Battling storm. Adrift for 14 days. And all of them. 276 people in the ship. 275 gave up hope. But one man. Stood up and said. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. God has told me, none of you will die. God has told me, not even a hair from your head will be lost. So please, he says, you haven't eaten for days. Please eat. And he had a communion service in the ship. He broke bread and made them eat. You know why the ship did not sink? And 275 lives were saved. Because one man who they thought was a prisoner had taken Jesus along. Therefore, the rest of them experienced what manner of man he is. In your offices, in your schools, in your colleges. Take him along. 
take him along. Let the people be blessed. Like I said two Sundays, we are not people who curse. God's people are God's people who bless. Blessed to be a blessing. Take him along. Let's get back to the text. Get 36, 36. Stay at 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they, they took him. They, ah, listen carefully. They took him even as he was. I love it. That's our, where our major block comes. We don't want to take him as he is. We want to take him and change him to suit us so that others are not offended by him. We don't want to take him as he is. We want to change him to fit our mold. I will receive him only if he conforms to my ways. That's why God said, I have laid a stumbling stone in Zion. Either you fall on it, or it will fall on you. The whole world will be saved in one minute if each one could be saved in their own way. The whole world in one minute could be saved if God were to save from heaven. You all can be saved according to your way. All are saved. The problem is you can take him only as he is. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to me, comes to the Father other than through me. There's no other way. There's only one way to heaven. The foot of the cross is level ground. The prince and the pauper has to come the same way. The foolish and the wise has to come the same way. The rich and the poor has to come the same way. The priest and the prostitute has to come the same way. It's a very, very humbling way. You have to take him as he is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem with the crowds is the crowds want a social Christ who will meet all my physical needs. After that, please leave me alone to live my life. But he's not a social Christ. Or a revolutionary Jesus who will overthrow every regime I don't like. See, we want him to deliver us, but not to rule over us. And this 12th year, I challenge you. Can you take him as is? We compartmentalize Jesus and make him like a buffet. Breakfast, buffet, lunch, buffet, dinner, whole spread is there. Okay, I like this. This I don't like. This I like. Huh, Psalm 23, I love it. I want a double helping of that. Huh, Psalm 21, 121, I love it. Psalm 1, only Pastor Vijay likes it. We have our favorites. But you have to take him as he is. You can't pick and choose. That's why on the day of Pentecost, the first sermon that was preached, Peter said, the Christ whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Savior. Both. The one who saves will rule. So the question is, can we take him as he is? 
the full picture of who he is, that the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world is the Lion of Judah that will reign forever. Lamb and Lion. Same coin, different sides. That the same John who leaned on Jesus' breast on the Last Supper is the one who fell like one dead when he saw a vision of Jesus in the island of Patmos. One day leaning, another day falling. Is it the same one? Can you take him as he is? Or as Paul will say in Romans 11, 22, consider the severity of God and his kindness. Consider the goodness and the severity of God. Both good and severe. Ma jaise or bab jaise. Ma ka dut, bab kalati. Consider the goodness and the severity. That's why God gave us two parents. Why do you think God put a father and a mother over there to show the two faces of God? The one who is tough, disciplines, and the one who covers and protects both sides of God. A father and a mother. And God, the world wants to change that identity, but God says, that's my identity. And that's why he gave you one commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother. You shall live long in the land. You shall, he shall give you because they represent to you the two sides of God. The tough one and the kind one. It's both the same God. Kindness and goodness. Severity on those who fell. Is, is this you, Lord? That's why Jude will say in verse 5, in chapter 1, it's a very interesting verse, verse 5. I wanted to remind you, though once you knew that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Are you the one who saves? Yes. Are you the one who destroys? Yes. You will save to destroy? Yes. Lord, what is this? You saved them to destroy them? Yes. Why? Because they didn't believe. Can we take him as he is? Look at what he says in Deuteronomy 32. Now see that I, even I, I am he. Who is he? And there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Can we take him as he is? Can we? That's why in one chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul will say in verse 11, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And a few lines down, what will he say? For the love of Christ compels me. He says, I know both. The terror of the Lord. The incredible love of God. Can we take him as he is? Then you will ask, ask this question. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? A smoking flax he will not put out. A bruised reed he will not break. Yet he rebukes the wind. And speaks to seas. And tells trees. You will no longer bear fruit and from the roots they are cursed. The heavens cannot contain him. Scripture says he measures the whole universe with the span of his hand. Yet scripture says he dwells with those who is contrite and broken in the spirit and who trembles at his word. 
What manner of man is this? But remember, if you and I do not take him as he is, there are a lot of little boats around. They will take him. That's what he told the Pharisees and the scribes, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are getting into the kingdom of God while the sons of the kingdom are outside because they are refusing to take him as he is. Because he did not fit in with their reason. That's what he said. The king said, my banquet is ready. Where are the invited guests? The servant said, they made so many excuses. He said, go to the bylanes, to the side streets, to the gullies, and compel them to come in. The refuse of this world, the poor, the broken, the leprous, the sick, those who have no name, compel them into my kingdom. Let my house be full. Let me tell you, if you and I are ashamed to take him as he is, he will find someone who is not ashamed of him. That is why if you read the gospel according to John, chapter 3 and chapter 4 are put side by side. In chapter 3 is a man of great reputation, of great name, but he is ashamed to be seen with Jesus in public because he's got a big name. So he comes in the night. His questions are right. But his attitude is wrong because he considers his reputation. Therefore, he won't receive Jesus as he is. So he goes out in the night. But in chapter 4, you see another story. Another story. Jesus will walk in the midday, the height of the day when it is brightest outside. He goes at the brightest point of the day. To meet one woman who has no reputation at all. Lived her life practically like a prostitute. Had five husbands. Linking with the sixth one. Encounters her. And she receives him as he is. Truly you are a prophet. Because you know who I am. How I have lived. At midday. The previous chapter. At night. Contrasting between light and darkness. People will who will not receive him as he is. And the broken and the poor with a reputation who will receive him as he is. And scripture says at that midday, she ran into the town and declared, come and see, the Messiah is here. Didn't he say through the prophet Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Even if your sins are scarlet, they shall be like snow. Her sins were like scarlet and the prince of heaven reasoned with her and she was cleansed white as snow. And in the midday sun, she's running into the city, calling the men of the city, come and see this is the Messiah. In Psalm 37, he had spoken to the psalmist, as I will make your cause of your righteousness shine like the midday sun. It's not a condemned woman who is going. It's a delivered woman who is going. Are you ashamed of him? Are you ashamed to receive him as he is? So many Christians are depressed and discouraged. Not because there is no solution, but because they won't receive him and take him as he is. Therefore, they never discover what manner of man he is. The one who can speak to the waves in your life. The one who can speak to the storm and the sea, be still. But they haven't discovered him that way because they do not take him as he is. 
Others want a political Jesus. It's all about power and dominion for them. But when they discover his ways is the way of cross, they turn their backs to him. But only when we take him as he is, we will know what is the power of his presence. And we will experience the presence of his power. Will you take him as he is? Is the question. Then you will know him as he is. It's always in the present. God is never in the past. God is not in the future. He is always now. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. He is. You take any translation, any legit translation, whether it is KJV, NKJV, NIV, is not so legit, but Hebrews 11, verse 1, the definition of faith. The first three words. You don't read the rest. Just first three words. Now, faith is. Now, faith is. Not will be or was. Is. With God, it is always is. It's in the present. Now, faith is. You have to take him along as he is. It's not as he will be. He is. Today. I don't need him tomorrow so much as I need him today. I need him now. I need him today. That's what I said in the morning. Lord, today, it's a big day for the church. I need you more today than last Sunday. I need you today. He is. That's what faith is. Now, faith is. Now, now, faith is. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Whatever your need was, unspoken was, you need to believe that he is. He is able to answer it. He is able to meet you at your point of need. Now, not tomorrow, now. Certain needs have to be met now. Certain needs can be delayed. But there are certain things in our lives which has to be met now and he is. And verse 37. The next verse. And there arose a great storm of wind. And waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Storms are part of life. Jesus being in your life doesn't mean you will have a stormless, battleless, troubleless life. No, actually he invites more storms. But he promised, you shall go through the waters, but you shall not be drowned. You shall go through the fire, but you shall not be burned. Why? Because I am with you. That's the reason. Don't make faith into an ideology. Faith is connected with a person. The winds raged and the waves broke until the boat was almost full. And Jesus was fast asleep. Where is Jesus? Fast asleep. Do you remember that old story I told you and you also got it at the daily devotion in the church group? The guy who was hired into a farmhouse. The farmer wanted a hand. This guy came. He says, what's your qualification? He said, when the wind blows, I can rest. He said, what kind of an answer is that? He said, test me. So he hired him. And he found he's a very good, orderly, hardworking farmhand, everything. 
But those are places where storms will suddenly come. Storms will come. And one night, the storm was coming. And he found this farmhand was fast asleep. The farmer came, panicked and said, Hey, hey how can you sleep? And he said, sir, what are you worried about? I'm worried about that. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about He said, I've taken care of it all. It's all tied. It's all in the place. And when the storm comes, and the storm is over, you will see not one thing is broken, one thing is out of place, because I have taken care of it. I can sleep when the wind blows. I told you in the beginning. Can you sleep when the wind blows? That's why one thing Jesus asked believers first is not to do, is to rest. He says, labor to enter into my rest. So that when the wind blows, you can be at rest. Everybody was panicking, but he was at rest. Because his soul was at rest. That's what faith does. Faith's eye is not on the waves. Faith's eye ears is not at the wind. Faith's eye is not at the storm. Faith's eyes is on Christ and Christ alone. And it doesn't matter what the multitude says or does not say. It doesn't matter what rulers and powers and authorities rise against you. It doesn't matter. My eyes, O Lord, are on you. My ears have heard your word and I have obeyed you, O Lord. 900 prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. King Ahab and his multitude armies. The people will not make one choice. One old man standing on the mountain. His eyes is upon the Lord. He has heard. He has believed. He has obeyed everything that is contrary to the reason of man. But when he has done it all, he says, Lord, I have done it all according to your word. Now prove yourself. He was addressed. And nobody could be addressed. Nobody could be addressed. Let me tell you, church, it's very lonely at the top. It doesn't matter if you know God is with you. If you know God is with you. Each one will see through their prison. Sound team will come and say, sound, we want sound. Worship team will come and say, we want instruments. Sunday school will come and say, we want this. Social service team will come and say, we want this. Missions will say, we want this. Homes will say, we want medicine. Say, okay. To the sound team, I'll ask like this. Can you hear me at the back? Yes. Good. That's enough. Did you hear the music? That's enough for now. And they get mad at me. You don't understand. We need cables. But you're looking from the cable view alone. I'm sitting at the top and seeing the whole spectrum. You need to take him along. You take him along when the wind blows. And the waves rise. And the boat is almost full. And the storm seems to be not dying out. You can still rest. That's the song we sang today, right? Leaning. Leaning. On the everlasting arms of God. It was nearly swamped. It was now full. Is your life full? Lord, one more straw. My back is broken. That's called the last straw that broke the camel's back. One more drop of water, I'm finished. Only 
my nostrils, sir, above water, Lord. You know, Lord, you didn't see me, but I know how I came to church. I came like this. I'm almost gone, Lord. What does verse 38 say? The boat was almost full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship and asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him. That's our problem. We will not go to him when the first breeze is blowing. We will go to him thinking, I can handle, I can handle. And when the boat is about to capsize, we go to him. He's not our first call. He's our last resort. That's our issue. We don't go to him first. We go to him at the end. And then that going at the end, an accusatory call. Master, don't you care? Voice repeated, question repeated by a billions and billions of soul over 2000 plus years. Don't you care what I'm going through? Most compassionate, loving God who sent his only son to die for us. Such a terrible, painful death on the cross so that we could be redeemed. You are asking him, you don't care? My husband goes out on two legs, comes back on four legs. Don't you care? You know my wife, I ask her one question, she gives me ten answers. She's Google. Don't you care? At GTLC, I was telling today's children, you ask, what is mommy's name? Swiggy. <laughs> A generation is growing up. If you ask them, do you know what homely food is? They don't know. Swiggy mama. One more drop. And then accusatory. Lord, don't you care for us? That we perish? You think he took you on the journey to the other side to let go of your hand? To see that you die? Or to give you life? He says, I have come to give you life. The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come to give you life and life in abundance. He didn't come to kill us. He came to give us life. But look at the question. Look at the question. Why? Because often, He's our last resort. He's not our first. He was, modern English, he was at the stern, asleep. Where was he sleeping? At the stern. Not at the port. I'm giving you the two terms for a ship, stern and port. That's the front. The hind part and the front part. Where is he sleeping? Is Jesus in the driver's seat or is he in the back seat? He has a habit of falling asleep if you keep him in the back seat of your life. He's Lord of all. There's only one seat you and I can give him in life. That is the front seat. And the steering wheel is in his hands. And he doesn't want to be like a wife sitting beside and telling turn left, turn right. He knows. And when he puts his foot on the brake, he doesn't want you to scream. Eah! He says, I am in control. My wife must be laughing there at the back. He says, I am in control. 
You see, the problem is we don't want him in the front taking control of our life. We want him as a passenger to help me out when it gets too difficult. That's why he's asleep. Because where is he? He's at the hinder part, asleep. Is your faith asleep? Or is it awake? Is it dead? Or is it alive? Has the living voice of the living God gone to sleep in your life? When was the last time you heard God speak? Serious question today to everybody. When was the last time you heard the living God speak to you? In prayer, in devotion, in the message, in the word. When was the last time he spoke to you? Has he gone to sleep in your life? You are in very dangerous place. You know our gadgets, phone, computer, if you don't use it for some time, it goes to sleep. Autosetic. But unlike God, you cannot set the timing. Six seconds, ten seconds to save the battery, we will set. Ten seconds, I don't use it, go to sleep. There he sets the settings. It's a question you need to ask. Has his voice ceased? Put him in the stern, in the front, not the port, the back. Let his flag fly high in your life. The flag, the scepter of righteousness. Thank God his mercy endures forever. Verse 39 says, even when they go at the end and accuse him, he arose. Even when we run to him at the end, he still rises and helps us because he knows who we are. Here today, gone tomorrow. Like grass, green today, withered today. Like flowers, today, gone tomorrow. He knows we are. So even though it's at the last moment, it still arises. And he still helps us. Because he knows who we are. But learn from the master. Those who are spiritually aware, keen, learn from the master. How the master teach us through symbols how to deal with the issues of life. Scripture says, he rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. Learn what to rebuke in life and learn to what to speak. He didn't rebuke the sea and speak to the wind. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. One is cause, the other is effect. Don't deal with the effect, deal with the cause. What caused the storm? The wind. What caused the problem in your marriage? What caused the problem in your school? What caused the problem in your college? What is the cause? Deal with the cause, not with the effect. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. Learn from him. But one life we deal with the waves instead of the wind. You and I will see. Trouble in life, all the days of our life, because scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, with spiritual powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, rebuke them. Jesus rebuked Peter. But what did he say? Satan, get behind me. It wasn't rebuke Peter, it was rebuking the spirit that was making Peter speak. He knew what was causing Peter to speak these words. He rebuked Peter and said, Satan, 
get behind me. He went to Peter's mother-in-law's house and she was lying down with fever. He rebuked the fever and she got up. We will rebuke Peter's mother-in-law. I came. You never cooked anything for me. He didn't. Scripture says, the wind ceased and there was great calm. Did you see where authority comes from? Authority comes from rest. From rest he arose and he spoke. That's how authority works. I was telling Pastor Vijay, all these people, GDC worldwide in the underground churches, when they are very serious in the ICU, one thing they will ask me, Pastor, record and send a prayer. And I will send a prayer, the ICU case will get up and walk. And I ask Vijay, do you know why it works? That the praying ones in my life are actually other people. There are a lot of prayer warriors. My wife is a prayer. I'm praying. But why is that? I just pray two-minute prayer and they walk. I said, it's got nothing to do with prayer. It's got to do with authority. They are the people who receive that authority. And they will be in the ICU. One man was paralyzed on the side. Send a prayer. Has he heard the prayer? His eyes opened. He started moving his leg. Another one was in the ventilator yesterday. The prayer was heard and he got up. Why? That's how it works. Because you rest. Authority does not work in a troubled sea. It works when you rise from rest, knowing that you have rested in him. These things are all beyond me. I have committed my life into your hands, Father. I know your word. Anyone who has committed his life into the Father, no one can pluck you from my hands. My today is ordered by you. My tomorrows are in your hands. Lord, whatever comes, I choose to rest and take decisions. We are restless. We are restless. That's where he rose. That's where he rose. He arose from rest and rebuked the wind. Meaning, the wind, the waves, the storm never Affected him. Never affected him. All these people and the boats were in the middle of this storm. One person alone was unaffected by it. Was right in the center of it. You know in in geography they talk about the eye of the storm. And you know at the eye of the storm it's absolutely calm. There's not even a movement over there. Well all around you will be having hurricane level winds and rain and thunder and lightning. The eye of the storm is... That's Jesus, the eye of the storm. Absolutely at rest. And it is to that rest he is calling. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's the first call. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. My yoke is light. And my burden is not. And I will give you rest. The second call of God is also rest. He wants people who will rest in him, then will arise and do his work. We want to work, work, work and then finally we are so restless, we have no rest. That's not the call of God. Call of God is come. Rest in me. Know me. Take me in your boat. And when I get into your boat, you know what? I will never push myself. He said, I taught you. When you go to a wedding, where should you go? Go sit at the end. Don't go sit at the first. Because somebody greater than you will come and the host will come and say, sir, please get up and go sit there. He said, it's very humiliating. Jesus said, you know what happens? Go sit at the back. 
And if you are the big guy there, the host will come and say, Sir, please get up and come. So Jesus practices what he preaches. When he go, gets in the boat, he goes to the back. And all the disciples are in the front. Fools, they should have told him, Lord, even if you want to sleep, please come and sleep here. So the first drop hits your nose and not my nose. Please sleep here, Lord. This is your position, front of my life. Go before me, Lord. It's our job not only invite him to come in his glory, but to go ahead of us. To go before us. To take that primary position in our life. That's how you experience rest. It's a practical thing every day. And all those who come for counseling, I will tell, I always tell them, you know what? This relationship with Jesus God is a very emotional thing too. I've told many people, I'm very emotional about Jesus. That you need to actually tell him, Lord, I really, really love you 10, 15 times. And you will see how it rises up in your heart. Emotions for him. That I really love you. I really love you. I am goofy. It doesn't matter, but I love you. Goofy loves you. Doesn't matter how many times I have goofed up. Lord, one thing is this. I love you. A lot of things need to be spoken out. That's where there is power in the tongue. People are like Indian husbands who never ever will declare his love to his wife. He, not only she is an enigma, he is also an enigma. There are two islands floating in sea for 50 years. And 50th day they will celebrate. What are they celebrating? 50 years of silence. (laughs) And they take you to the relationship with God too. 25 years of being a believer. What is that 25 years of silence? Did you ever tell him he love you? You can't tell that God. He says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. I have engraved you in the palms of my hand. The beloved of the Lord rides upon your shoulder. He who touches you touches the apple. He's a very loving speaking person. Why don't you speak back? Why don't you speak back to him? Because you have to experience this person of God. That is what will take everything. Look at his question in verse 40. He said to him, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? That's a question you should ask most of you. Why are you afraid? You know, many of you are not moving anyway because you are afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid to make decisions. You're afraid to step out in faith. You're afraid. Faith does not dwell where there is fear. And it directly contrasts fear with faith. He says, why are you afraid? How is that you have no faith? He contrasts both. If you are afraid, you cannot have faith. If you have faith, fear will go. Why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? What is the end of all fear? What is it? Death. What is the end of all fear? That's why when Jesus came and took over, first he dealt with death, then he dealt with everything else. When he rose from the grave, the first thing he did was not my sin and your sin. First thing he did, the atonement for sin was in heaven on the third day. But before that, he conquered the power of death. Because that is what has held us captive for 6,000 years of human history. From Adam to the last man, we have been enslaved by the fear of death, not death itself. Fear of death. So the first thing he does is he breaks the shackle of death. Fear no more death. Death has been overcome. You are in me, even if you die, you will live. For I am the resurrection and the life. So he asked them, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? 
Don't you know I am there? Where is your faith? Don't you trust me? Don't you believe that I can take you through? Where is your faith? How can you trust God and fear the devil? It's a contradiction, right? How do you trust God and fear the devil? Fears have to be faced and rejected every time. All the men of God, God used were timid, fearful men. Whether it was an Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, they were all fearful men. But they battled their fears with faith. That's why Paul will say, take the shield of faith to withstand the fiery arrows of the devil. Gone. The devil does not kill. He just makes you die on your own with fear. Right? You wake up. You feel a pain on the side. Straight come to church. Dr. David, Dr. Richard, my side is hurting. They are doctors. They have to give opinion. They will say, okay, do a scan. Is it hurting here? Is it hurting? Okay, looks like... Looks like... Don't blame them. They have to give what they have learned. Looks like... Symptoms of a stroke. Finish. Stroke. Now we have been stricken. (laughs) Fear has gotten. Suddenly you have a history coming in your mind. All of you are paralyzed in the recent future in your entire family. Suddenly you realize, ah, history of strokes in my life. Or you look in the mirror if you are a lady. This has been there for so many years, that little pimple didn't bother you. Then one sister came and said, oh, what is that on your nose? Ah, it's a pimple. Have you ever got it checked? Check why? No, my friend's friend had a pimple. When they checked it, they found it was cancerous. Gone. 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 Now whole day is gone thinking, is this cancerous? The fiery darts of the enemy. Famine in the land. The GDP report is all has been doctored. Millions and millions of people have actually lost jobs in India. Famine is spreading around the world. There's going to be incredible food scarcity that is going to come in the next few years. There is a kind of swine flu which has started in Africa where there is no treatment for it. Every pig that gets it die. One pig in the poultry gets it. Every pig has to be killed. China produces 70% of the pork. 30% of them have to be killed. That means 200 million pigs will be killed this year. And any country, any place, one pig gets it, every pig has to be killed. There is no cure for this. They are predicting a lot of stuff is going to happen. What happens to you? Ayo, oh, that was my favorite food. <laughs> you know how fear comes? The fiery darts of the army, of the enemy is Cause to disturb, cause fear, cause panic. And the answer to that is faith, the shield of faith. Yes, Dr. Richard, what you said is true, but it is written. 
I have heard his voice. I have listened to his word. And not only Lord, in this new covenant time, I have lived by the old covenant book of Leviticus. So I am not going to fall ill. This body has been given not on auction permanently to the Lord. Your word says in Corinthians 6, if the body is for the Lord, the Lord is for the body. And you will stand up and declare, I shall not die, but live as it is written and declare the works of the Lord. Yes, this is information, but you put the shield of faith. The people in the other boats panicking is one thing. You panicking in this boat is another thing because you forgot who's sleeping at the stern. Let the wind come. Let the waves come. Let the water fill. I am not afraid because I know who's in my life. If he started this journey, if he was the author of my faith, my word says he's the finisher of my faith. What he begins, he will finish. I will not fear a Lord because I have put my trust in you and you alone. The shield of faith. That's why he's asking, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Lord of young people, afraid. Like Timothy. Afraid. Timothy was a very fearful, timid young man. Paul had mentored. Paul was fearless. And his mentor, his uh, disciple was a fearful young man. Twice he had to write him. Look at Second Timothy, or First Timothy, chapter 4, verse 14. First Timothy, chapter 4, verse 14. Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying of hands of the eldership. All of you have a gift. All who receive the spirit also have received gifts. But you are so timid, you will hide the gift. Ayo, what will people say? If I pray for somebody in the office and that person never gets well, what will they think about me? Who cares? You've been called to pray. You're called to intercede. Timothy, don't forget. Don't neglect. Second letter he writes again. Timothy, I remind you, stir up the gift of God. You know why he's not? Because he's afraid. How do you know? Next verse. For God has not given us the spirit. Timothy, Timothy. God has not given you the spirit of fear. You're hiding your gift. You're not using what God has given you for the glory of God's kingdom and for the blessing of his people because you're afraid. And so many people do not testify about Jesus. They do not witness about Jesus because they are afraid. Fear is the killer. A lot of Christians will end up in heaven because of what God did for them without ever witnessing to anybody in their entire life because they are afraid. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When that young man who brought me to the Lord, he's not a young man, he's an agriculture senior officer in Kerala. When I met him years ago, he looked at me and said, James, you know what? I'm just in that old CNI, CSI church. I go to church and come back. I don't know what happened to me. No zeal, nothing. I think you are the only one I brought into the kingdom of God. I told him last time. Okay, sir, thank you. You brought me to the la- into the kingdom of God. But the word God spoke through me has reached 193 countries. Because for once in your life, you were not timid. You were not timid. Go, Timothy. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? After 11 years of his faithfulness, are you still afraid? Are you?
you still afraid? Hasn't he brought us through every storm, thunder, lightning, everything that can be thrown at and thrown up, upon, upon, still we came through? If you were with me, 11 years and three Sundays back, and been sitting there in my friend room, 10 of you, would you have thought about this? Would you have thought about GTC Ranchi, GTC Jamshedpur, GTC New York, GTC Florida, GTC Alaska, GTC Paris, GTC South Africa, GTC all over the Muslim world, underground churches gathering because God said, you speak, you record, leave it, let them not see your face, let them only hear your voice. And this morning I got congratulations from worldwide GTC. Thank you, Pastor. 11 years. Thank you for standing there. But they have no clue how I stood. Trembling most of the time. How long, Lord? How long? And one thing they all ask is, never, ever change the word. That's one thing I can say in my life of 11 years. One thing that never changed in my life of 11 years. This Never changed. Didn't matter what I was going through, what I was coming out, it had no effect on the word. Are you afraid? That's what I asked. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Next verse, final verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. Why are you afraid? Of what? The wind, the storms, the natural calamities in life. Are you afraid of that? The scripture said, they feared. That is a good fear. The fear of God is the beginning of... Ah, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's a good fear. They were exceedingly afraid. That's a good fear. It's a close. It's the twelfth year, the year of his government. And the Bible says the increase of his government, there is no end. And peace. And you will look at these seven verses from where we looked this morning. Follow the order. Listen to him. Hear his voice. Get away from the crowd. The first step is often the most important step. Like the old Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. First step is what? Get away from the multitude. Send the multitude away. Get away. Get away. On the day of Pentecost, they were cut to the heart hearing Peter preach. What should we do, pastors? He says, repent, believe, and you shall receive the spirit, the gift that is promised for the remission of your sins. And with many other words, he exhorted them and told them, be saved from this corrupt generation. Get out of the multitude. That's the first step. That's the first step. Then take him with you. Every day. Every day is a new day. You wake up. First call is not Facebook. First call is not. First call is. The face is in this book. 
this book. That's your first call. Come Lord Jesus. Sup with me. What today holds, I do not know. Every day I pray. What today holds, I do not know. But I know who holds my today. That's all I ask. You don't have to explain everything to me. All I ask is, go with me. Go before me. Take him in your boat. Take him with you. When you take him with you, as he reveals his different facets to you, do not compromise. Take him as he is. Take him as he is. He doesn't reveal himself completely to you. Each is a journey. Each is a journey. Each is a journey. Abraham's revelation of God to Abraham was a series in his journey. It's a revelatory journey. That's why it's called the walk of God. The walk with God. You get to know this person. Now the issue with most Christians sadly is, and I was one like that, is that we don't want to know the person. We want him to intervene in our situations and just stay away. Don't disturb me, please. But when I need your help, I'll come to you. And I will claim all the promises in the book too and I will confess it too, but don't interfere too much with my life. But that's not salvation. Salvation is when he starts taking over your life. And his life becomes your and my life. Take him, but take him as he is. That's what they did. They took him as he is. And when you take him as he is, don't let him at the pot. Let him be at the stern. Every day, say, Lord, go before me. You lead me. Isn't that what Joshua said? We are in the promised land. We are going to start. The ark will go before you. Keep a distance. Keep your eyes on the ark. None of us have gone this way before. What are we going to do? Fight armies, nations, fortified cities. Joshua, wait a second. Do you have fighting men among you? No. You mean these guys have never fought? No. They're a generation who never fought. And you're going to fight with them? Yes. How are you going to win? God is with us. And they cross River Jordan. And they're outside this huge city. And Joshua has come out to check out the city. The city is so huge. The walls are so huge. The gates are shut. Nobody can go in. Nobody can come out. And he sees a figure with a sword. He asks, are you for us or are you against us? He says, neither. As a commander of the Lord's host, The armies of God, I have come. Joshua says, my Lord. We want God. Are you with us or against us? God says, neither. The question you should answer, are you with me or against me? He who does not gather with me shall scatter. And he who does not gather with me is against me. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for compromise. As he reveals himself. And what he says... We don't understand. Joshua, yes Lord, you're going to take this city. I've given this city over to you. Okay Lord, 
He must be trembling inside. He's a fearful fellow. That's why three times God has to tell him, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And uh, Joshua, let me ask you this question. What do your young men know to do? Nothing, Lord. Really? What did they do this 40 years? Ah, walk. Good. The next seven days they shall walk. You know how to walk well, right? Ah, yes, Lord. We all know how to walk very well. 40 years we have been walking. Good. But there's a problem. Don't walk like your fathers. Your fathers talked and walked. Walk and talk. You will keep quiet and walk. Just a slight difference. You know how to walk. Your fathers knew how to talk. So, you walk, don't talk. That's all you have to do. How many times, Lord? Oh, once a day. Six days. And seventh day, how many times? And then the end of the seventh day, what should you do? You will be able to shout because seven days you haven't talked. It's all welling up inside. <laughs> You're full of air love. Seven days you haven't talked. So at the seventh day, they have no clue what's happening, going to the happening to the wall. They're going to shout, Hallelujah, I can talk again. The walls came down. Do you understand what manner of man he is? Are you telling him how to do, run your life? Lord, you know what? I've gone to university unlike you. I will tell you, please run my life this way. I know how to do it. I just need a little power. That's all. Power is with you. Intelligence is with me because I went to college. I went to college. You didn't. We sometimes need to listen to our prayers and we will realize how foolish we are telling the God of the universe what to do. Don't compromise. Take him as he is. Let him be seated at the port and not the stern. Let him be the captain of your boat. When the storms rise, be at rest. Be at rest. Be at rest. You need to watch old, old war movies. Oh, you have to see. That's the first thing they teach you in the army. What? Not to shoot. To obey. The first thing they teach you in the army is to obey. And you see the ancient battles. All oh, the soldiers waiting. The enemy is coming, 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 coming. And they are panicking. But they can't shoot because the officer hasn't said yet. He will say. When he says, shoot, then they shoot. That's why he says, I will guide you with my eye. Be at rest. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Don't struggle like a drowning man. He's in control of your life and my life. This 12th year, listen very carefully. And when the storms rise, be at rest. Then when he says, rise and rebuke the winds. Don't rebuke the sea. Rebuke the, deal with the cause. Deal with the cause. Deal with the, you remember the old illustration? I got lime juice in this. The hepsiver comes and pushes me, the lime juice will fall on my why did the lime juice fall on my shirt? Not because Hepsiba pushed me, but because there was lime juice in this. If there was no lime juice in this, doesn't matter who pushes me, it will nothing will come. 
You know why we lose control? Not because somebody irritated us. Because we were irritable. The person was only the trigger. You were full of it. That's why God says, deal with the symptoms. Rebuke the wind. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself. I command that spirit of fear that always hovering around in my mind and in me to leave in Jesus' name. There's no room for you in my life. There's no room for you in my life. I will not fear. I will not fear. Because he is in control of my life. Speak to the seas. Speak to the seas. Rebuke the wind. Speak to the seas. Be still. Remember Jesus? Day of resurrection evening comes. All are huddled together because of the fear of the... What does he come and say? Peace. What did he say? Peace. Peace. Don't fear. Fear not. Peace. He spoke. Don't be afraid. Let faith in him arise. I want the worship team to come. And you will see what manner of man he is. I'm telling you it's an exciting journey. That's why one thing I like going on missions. Because on missions, I'm not like I am for you, a familiar voice, day in and day out. I'm not a familiar voice. So miracles happen. Left, right and center. I love missions. Problem is you get very familiar with God. And you forget what manner of man he is. Don't get familiar. The lifelong journey of discovering who God is. Come, worship team, come, quickly. And we shall sing that beautiful song, leaning, leaning on the arms of God.
Repeat with me this morning, even as you are in the house of God. You have heard the word. Just open your heart and your mind today and just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to take you along. But I just don't want you in any part of the ship. I want you to be the captain of my life. I cast all my fears at your feet. I cast all my burdens at your feet. Because you care for me. Come Lord Jesus. Take over my life. Open my ears. Each day. That I might hear your voice. Open my heart O Lord. That I might believe what you say. Touch my will O God. That I might obey what you say. For you said in your word. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Come, Lord Jesus. Live in me. Now and forever. Father, we just come to you this morning. And we rest at your feet. We cast everything at your feet, Lord. Truly, Lord, we want to know. What manner of man you are. For this purpose the son of man came. Your word says. To destroy the works of the devil. I pray in this twelfth year. As your word proclaims the government is upon your shoulder. And the increase of your government and peace there is no end. We pray each one of us will experience your government. The government of the kingdom of God. And we will afloat, hold afloat the scepter of thy kingdom. The scepter of thy kingdom is righteousness. I pray everyone here standing today. And those who will hear over the days and weeks. Will experience the power and the authority of your kingdom. And I pray that each one will step out in faith. I command that spirit of fear to leave. That everyone in faith will exercise the gifts that you have given them. So that in your kingdom, there is a harvest. And your kingdom will continue growing on earth. Empower your people, Lord. Empower your people. Why are you so fearful? You asked 2,000 years ago. Have you no faith? This morning we declare, Lord, we believe you are almighty. We believe you are in control of all the storms we face in life. We believe you are at the port and not at the stern. We believe you are taking us ashore. We believe you who began this good work will complete it. We believe you are not only author, but the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We believe that these signs will follow us who believe. Power and authority over powers of darkness. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command now sickness to leave bodies in Jesus' name. 
I bind the spirits of infirmity. I command it to leave in Jesus name. Whatever name medical science has given you. We command you to leave in Jesus name. And I speak healing. And I speak wholeness into physical bodies. Your word says the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And I speak to troubled minds and souls today. My peace I live with you. <coughs> you said, oh Lord. Peace the world cannot understand. And I speak that peace into every heart that is troubled today. Be at peace. Receive the peace of God. Let that peace guard your heart. Through the days and the weeks that are lying ahead. Knowing God is in control of your lives. And I pray you would bless the work of their hands. Every one of them. Bless the work of their hands. Let their lives and let their work be a blessing to many, Lord. Because that's our inheritance as sons and daughters of Abraham. Bless to be a blessing, Father. And I pray everyone here would be blessed to be a blessing, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for bringing us through these 11 years, O Lord. We look forward knowing, Father, we will discover each day what manner of God you are. Go with us, Lord. Go before us, Lord. Now by faith, believing the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, the Spirit of God through the unction and through the word has sanctified us. We lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We ask everything, Father, in that precious, matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.